0: I'm excited uh, to jump into First Corinthians with you uh, today. Where this is our second sermon in the First Corinthians series that we're entering into, and we're going to be hanging out in here for a long time. And uh, so we're in First Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse four this morning. And as we jump in, the big idea, the big, the big concept, uh, the big truth that we're wrestling with in this passage is how do uh, how do we how do we think about how do we process. How do, we, how do we deal with, how do we relate to uh, people, uh, particularly people who would say that they're followers of Jesus who aren't living in line with, with his teachings, not living in obedience to his commands, not living the sort of lives that, that you would want uh, to see a Christian living, not living up to the standard uh, that Jesus had established. Uh, and so another way to, esta- to, to speak this is... Um, how do we deal with everybody, right? <laughs> because there's nobody who's, who's living up to the perfect standard uh, of perfect obedience to Jesus. We know that as much as we strive and we try, that we, that we fall short in that, right? But, but there's times, there's moments, there's seasons where somebody maybe particularly wrongs or hurts or harms you, and, and you feel that pain, and you're like, how do I, how do, I do this? Or you see somebody hurting themselves, and you're like, man, I, want, I, I hate to see them doing that. I want to I intervene. I want to step in. Or sometimes... That somebody is us, right? Sometimes you're the one. Like, how do I think about myself? I'm, I'm, I keep doing this stuff. I know I don't want to do it. I know this isn't who I want to be, and yet I keep finding myself going down these same paths and doing these same things, and, and I'm disappointed with myself, so I can only imagine how God feels about it, right? Is that, does anybody ever feel that way, right? So, so the, the question this morning is, how do, we, how do we properly think about, how do we process, how do we, um, how do we relate to people and ourselves when, we, when we're not doing all that God would desire for us to do. Um, and, uh, and man, I can tell you as I, as I walk through this and prepare for this this week, uh, there, there's four things that I found that have been really powerful and really helpful and, and are changing the way that I'm looking at things and the way that I'm, I'm praying. And so I'm excited to share them with you uh, this morning. Just to give a little bit of context, if you remember, if you were here last week or had a chance to, uh, to listen to the message, Corinth is a city Uh, uh, It's a Roman city uh, that is at a a crucial place geographically where it's it's in this four-mile-wide strip of land. Uh, And so there's seaports on either side of it. There's a lot of trade and commerce going through there. There's an incredible opportunity uh, for prosperity, uh, for success uh, for all the excesses that come along with it. I, I mentioned last week it's kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride down at Disney, right? Where the, the pirates are like running around with their bottles of, uh, um, you know, whiskey. And they're just like, they're, you know, they're, it, it's crazy, right? And so it's a city where there's ample opportunity for sin. Uh, there's ample opportunity for idolatry of every kind. And yet in the midst of it, Paul comes and proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ and people start responding. And people start turning to it, and, and part of the reason is is because he's able to go to them and say, hey, you know, the, the hole in your, in your heart, in your soul that you're trying to fill with alcohol, that you're trying to fill with, with these uh, things that you're doing and relationships and all this other stuff and prosperity and success, and yet you have all that and you still feel empty, let me tell you how you can really feel actual f- fullness. Let me, let me tell you how you can feel it, uh, what, it, what it's like to really f- experience purpose and peace, and hope. And so he brings this message to people who've tried every other way to find it and haven't found it there. And he says, hey, you've tried all that. Try try Jesus, and they find hope, and they find, they find freedom, and they find purpose, and identity. And so it's this incredible story of like in the most unlikely of places, the gospel takes root and begins to flourish, but it's a church that's not without its challenges. And so um, he begins the letter in this really grace-filled, hopeful note Reminding them of their identity. Hey, you've been sanctified. You've become saints. God views you as, as, as forgiven and as holy and as set apart. And that's who you truly are. But as we're going to see in, as we go forward in the letter, that they're into all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of brokenness there's divisions in the church uh, there's factions that are that are against one another there's um just uh embarrassing sin that would make you blush if I were to tell you about it right now right there's all this stuff that's going on in the midst of this and and isn't that what life is like <laughs> i mean isn't that isn't that isn't that the reality that we experience that that where the gospel is flourishing that sin is waiting and that that there's there's moments where uh where you look at things and you're like, man, I don't see how that could ever turn around. And then God does an amazing work and he brings it and he brings somebody to faith that you just never would have expected. And then somebody who you thought was really walking with Jesus all of a sudden stumbles and falls. And that's, that's the reality that we live in. And so that's why I feel like this letter is going to be so helpful for us. And so let me, uh, let me, let's dig into the passage. Let's look at what he says. And then I want to, I want to point, point out some of these things that I found extremely helpful in it. Uh, 1 Corinthians God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, if you hear that, you're like Ezra. Where's all this? Where's this? uh, Where are these people that are falling short? Where's where's the turmoil? Where's where's the person that needs to be rebuked or corrected? Where's the broken relationship? Well, you just need to read a couple uh, another verse down, right? So, if you go to verse ten, and it's not up on the screen, but if you look in your Bible there, the next thing he says after this is. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you. And he goes on, if you start flipping pages in your Bible, for the next page after page after page after page, he's got a laundry list of things that, that are broken in this church that need to be addressed. Uh, but what I want you to see this morning is this. If, if you skip verses 1 through 9 and go right to 10 and read through, that you're going to think that the Christian life is about behavior modification. You're going to gonna, gonna think it's all about, hey, you're doing this, stop doing that, start doing this, walk away from that, turn towards this. And that is certainly a piece of it, but, but the first nine verses are so crucial because what they say is, hey, this isn't a behavior problem. This is an identity problem. You don't see yourself the way that you truly are in Jesus. You don't see yourself the way that God sees you. And you're not living and acting in accord with who you truly are. It's kind of like uh, like Superman, right? Like Superman is is his real identity. Clark Kent is like a, a an assumed. It's like a fake identity that he puts on, right? And and so Clark Kent is kind of bumbling and stumbling and kind of falls over his feet and he trips and he and he and he can't seem to get things right. But who he truly is is this a man from another planet with incredible power and ability and and it's kind of like what we do in, in in our in our faith is that we we start to think that we're Clark Kent when God has really given us the gifts of Superman. We forget who we are and that's that's what the Corinthian church is is doing and so he wants to remind them of who they truly are and he wants to remind us. And so the things that he says are I think really surprising. And so let's look at it, the very first thing right off the bat what does he say? He says, "Hey, when I pray to God, I get so angry and frustrated because I just start thinking about all the ways you guys are screwing up and it just gives me, <laughs> that's not what he says, right? He doesn't say, hey, I've, got a long, I've been praying for five hours because there's so much messed up in you guys. He doesn't say that. What he says is, I give thanks to my God always for you. So the first thing is that we have to pray with thankfulness. We have to pray with a heart of gratitude. We're pretty good at laundry listing for God all the things that are wrong and broken, right? And so here's, here's, the, here's the test. Here's the, here's the thing. The next time that you're in a, in a difficult situation, with, a, with frustrated with yourself, frustrated with somebody else, things are broken, does your prayer begin with, God, thank you? Is that where it starts? Because that's where Paul starts. He doesn't say, God, I'm so mad and I'm so frustrated, and God, you know all the broken stuff. He says, God, thank you. And gratitude is just this incredibly powerful force. It's, it's a mindset and it's something we have to choose. Most of us don't wake up grateful in the morning, but if you embrace it, think about the person in your life who you know that is just always so grateful, right? They walk up to you and you're like, man, thank you so much for this. this. is so amazing. Like, I'm so grateful that I get to be a part. Like, those are the people you want to hang out with, right? Isn't that who you want to be around? Don't you want to experience that? Um, I, uh, I'm doing, you know, I, I do a lot of different meetings and trainings and things with, with pastors and, and church planters uh, as part of my job and part of my role here at the church. And and one of the things that I've seen is that sometimes when you're so immersed in that world that after a while, guys can become sort of critics and connoisseurs of, of, of ideas and philosophies. And so what they'll do is they'll, they'll say, yeah, you know what, that, that chapter we read, I liked 90% of it, but this sentence right here, this just drove me nuts. Like, oh, I, don't you disagree? It's made, Instead of saying like, hey, you know, there's some stuff I could leave, but overall, man, it was great. I loved it, right? Um. Is your focus on, on the 5% that's out of whack or the 95% that's praiseworthy? You can even have gratitude if somebody says 95% of things you disagree with and 5% that you like. And you go up to them and say, hey, man, I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> right? There's always a way to be grateful. You can come up to me after the service and you can say, hey, you know, that thing you said about God not really wanting the Eagles to win, I really agree with that. The rest of it, I don't know. But that moment really resonated with me, right? Like, I would receive it. <laughs> I would be concerned, but I would receive it, right? And you guys shop at Aldi. I'm at Aldi, like, more than seven times a week, right? Because it's, it's sometimes it's twice a day, because we live too close. And so I'm kind of an Aldi pro, and I know that you got to have the quarter, right? You got the quarter, at least one, just hanging out in your cup holder, because you know you're going to need it, right? And so, so I went, I took our 18-month-old son, Win. we're shopping, we're getting some things, uh, we get done. I take, I put all the things in the car, and then I push him back over because he likes to ride in the cart. So I take him over, um, and then get him out. Um, parents, I see you nodding your head. You know how this works, right? And so I'm putting him in and um, taking the quarter out, and I hear this lady behind me be like, oh, "Oh, the quarter," uh, you know, and she's just kind of mumbling. And so I turn around and here it's this lady, and she's got a baby even younger than mine, and, and she's like there. She's got some bags, and she's like. Clearly did not have her quarter. So she was either an Aldi rookie or she was just having an off day. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I looked at her and I said, I said, hey, oh, yeah, you need a quarter here. Like, and she looked at me and she's just like, wow, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, uh, and it was really the best thing she could say. Aren't I awesome? Like, aren't you guys? I came up here to brag about how awesome I am about <laughs> my, you know, that's not the reason I tell this story. It was the best response. It was the best thing she could say, right? Wow, thank you. But what do we do so many times when we're in that sort of situation? Like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't take your quarter. No, 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 I've got one at home. I'll get back in my car. I'll drive home. I'll, I, I don't want to put you out. Give me your address. I'll, I'll mail you a quarter. Just, uh, you know, right? Sometimes we just got to embrace gratitude. It, it's, 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 um, it's a gift you can give to somebody. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want that lady to feel indebted to me. I didn't want her to be like, man, you know what? I'm going to, I swear, I will make this up to you. No, like, just, just take the quarter. You're welcome, right? And she did. But there's so many times that, uh, and it's pride, right? It's pride that keeps us from being grateful most of the time. I'm smarter than that author, so I can critique that two or three sentences that felt a little bit off, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody about how I disagree with that. You know, just be grateful. You can learn from anybody can learn from anybody. He comes with a prayer of gratitude, but what he prays for, what he's thankful for is so significant. Look what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Nope, wrong one. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. You know what he's thankful for? He's thankful for the, the grace of God that has been poured into the people of the Church of Corinth. When was the last time that you prayed for somebody, somebody that you were in good standing with or somebody that you were struggling with, and you say, God, thank you for giving them your grace. Man, God, the, the, the thing that I celebrate most about that person is they have been a recipient of your grace poured out into their life. I don't know if I've ever prayed that for somebody, but we should. And I think part of the problem is that the grace has become too common to us I almost called this point, be amazed by grace. But in so doing, I would put it into the white noise of amazing grace where you wouldn't even hear it, right? And so I said, uh, to be captivated by grace. Be captivated by grace. What, what is, I, I, just, I see a picture of Paul's heart here where Paul is so amazed and enamored with the grace of God poured into their lives. that that's, He's like, man, God, the first thing I want to do is thank you for the grace that you've given them. It's so amazing. I'm just awestruck by it. And I feel like we need to experience a little bit of that wonder. We need to, we need to, to not be over the grace of God. We need, not to be in a, we, we need to get past the place where we're like, yeah, yeah, we just take that for granted. Yeah, of course God's gracious. That's who he is, right? God's grace is amazing. And so I have a, I have a clip I want to show you here um, that I think captivates a little bit of what that heart is. It didn't work the first time. Hopefully, by the grace of God, it will work the second time. Um, and if it doesn't, I will tell you, and it will be just as compelling. So uh, let's watch the clip. I'd uh, I'd hang around and give him the golden buzzer, but you know, <laughs> you guys have to watch it later if you want to see that part. But, um, why is it that that you know, that's probably like my fifth time or sixth time watching that, and I still get a little bit teary-eyed watching it. Right? Why is it? Why is that so captivating? What is it that's so compelling about that? It's just so unexpected, right? Like nobody would look at that and say, like, well, that's what hard work and buckling down and practice, you know. Nobody's going to say that. They're going to say, wow, that's a gift from God. It's just a flat-out gift. Um, and I'm sure he plays the piano all the time. I'm sure he works on his vocal. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't practice, but, but God just gave him a gift, right? And it's an incredible gift. And, uh, and, and here's what's amazing is that the Bible says that the gift that we've received in Jesus is even more amazing than that, right? He's blind. He's autistic. And yet he can, he can sing and play piano in this way that just moves people. That's incredible. But what the Bible says about us is that, that we were dead in our sins. That we, that we were completely separated from God. And in that time, that, that he made us alive. <laughs> that he adopted us as his children. Uh, that, that he calls us precious and he calls us forgiveness. He calls us guilty. We need to be captivated by grace. And not just for ourselves, but captivated in the grace in our community. <laughs> captivated in the grace that God has for, for other people. The potential of grace for those who don't know it yet. And the reality of grace uh, for those who've received it but aren't living in it. Right? Just to celebrate the grace of God. You know, I, 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 I come out of this passage just wanting to be more, um, to be more amazed. To be more in all. To just celebrate God's grace in, in, in a greater way. And, and, you know, we were talking about gratitude earlier. Do you think when his mom and his mom, how awesome is she, right? They're like, who are you? She's like, I'm mom. right? First and foremost, that's who I am, right? Um, uh, do you think she went to bed that night and was like, oh, God. Why, why was Cody born with all these challenges? You know, I think she went to bed and said, God, thank you. Thank you for the good gift. You know, and, and it's almost the, the, the struggle makes the gift that much more beautiful. And if you're in the midst of a struggle right now, maybe you're in a, da- maybe you're in a down spot, maybe you're in a difficult season, maybe you're in a, in a broken place. You have to look and see that, that God is going to work a story of beauty and redemption in your life because that's what he does. That's my third point, right? First, pray with thanks- thankfulness. Second, be captivated by grace. Third, live with the end in mind. For yourself and for others. If you're looking at somebody who knows Jesus, who knows his truth, who's who's, who's seeking to follow him but has wandered away, is living in brokenness, is living in sin, man, pray for them, trusting that God is going to see that story through to completion. He says, you're not lacking anything as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever guilt we carry with us now, when we stand before Jesus on that day, he's not going to look and be like, this is a close one. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to the instant replay booth on this one. You know, I, I, you know I'm, I, I'm not sure, right? He's going to look at us and say, I, you know, I see Jesus. I see the perfect record of Jesus applied to your life, and because of that, you you, you may enter in. I love you, my child. Right? That's, that's what God's going to say to us. That's the incredible gift. And, and, and let me just say to you, if you're here this morning, you haven't taken up that gift. If you haven't grabbed a hold of it, today's the day. Right? Today's the day. It's for you. It's available to you. To know what it is to be forgiven. To know what it is to be loved and cherished. Whatever's lacking in your earthly relationships, you can have in perfection with your relationship with God the Father. And it doesn't mean that every day will be sunshine and rainbows from here forward, but, but you're going to have a new identity. You're going to have a new purpose. You're going to have a new hope. You're going to have a new power living within you that will lead you. In, in in another letter to a church in Philippi, different church but the same pattern with Paul. Listen to what he says in Philippians 1, uh, verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. The same thing. I thank God when I think of you. I thank him always in every prayer of mine for you all, uh, making my prayer with joy Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's not one to leave unfinished business, right? I wish I had that same track record. (laughs) There's a graveyard of unfinished projects in our home, right? That's not how God functions. The good work that he began in you, he will see through to completion. And the good work that he began in that person that maybe you're struggling with, maybe the, the person that, um, the, the, that has wronged you, has hurt you, and, and, and you're like, hey, you're a Christian, you should know better than that. The more that you see them in that perspective, say, hey, they're, they're a work in progress. God's doing something. And even by his grace, even in this failure, maybe he'll use this as something to turn them back to him. I just want to see what God's going to do because I know he's going to do it. Pray with thankfulness. Be captivated by grace, live with the end in mind, and last, saturate it all in Jesus. Just just envelop the relationship in Jesus. Look at how much uh, Paul speaks about Jesus in this passage, right? I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God He's given you in Christ Jesus. That in everywhere you are enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, in case you don't know who that is, (laughs) Jesus Christ our Lord. Can he make it any more apparent? What is the center of this relationship? What is the gravitational force that holds it all together? What is the inside, the outside, the middle? It's Jesus In, down, up, around, through. And and I can just tell you, if you put Jesus at the center of your relationships with other people, he's going to do the work. If he's the focus, if his joy, if if you look at your relationship with somebody else through the lens of Jesus' eyes, through Jesus' heart of compassion, it will bring restoration. It will bring healing. Because we stop looking at ourselves when we start looking at him. And so, so what does this look like for you? You know, if, if, if you have somebody, I, I encourage you in like a very specific and tangible way, if there's somebody that you have a broken relationship with, you know, first of all, do they know Jesus? If they don't, there, there's your prayer, right? God, I, I pray that they would experience the grace that I've received. I pray that they would experience this incredible gift, and I thank you, God, that you've made it available to them, and I pray that they would take it up, right? You, you pray for them to know Jesus the way that you know him. You don't pray, God, throw your lightning bolts from the sky, right? Say, God, throw your grace from on high. Throw 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 love and mercy into their life so that they can, they can be changed, so that they can be restored. If they are a follower of Jesus, then you can pray as Paul says, God, thank you that they know your grace. They know what's right. They know who you are, they know what it's like to be transformed. And, 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 and so I, I pray that I know you're going to do a work in them, and I pray that you would bring it to completion, and I pray that you would work, right? Pray for them. Don't pray necessarily that they would come and make amends with you. God, I pray they would come and grovel on their knees before me and beg for you. No. Pray, first of all, that their relationship would be right with God. If they get it right with God, it's going to be right with you, right? And just just make sure that as you're moving forward in that relationship that Jesus is at the center. And and the other question is, what if it's you, right? What if you're the person here this morning that you're like, man, you know, the person that I'm disappointed in, that I'm frustrated with, that I'm struggling with, it's me. Man, pray the same thing for yourself. Let the prayer start with thank you. (laughs) God, thank you. And if you don't even know what to thank him for, let him fill in the blank. God, thank you. And let him bring to mind all the things that you have to be thankful for. And high on that list is going to be his grace. God, help me to be captivated with your, the grace that I've received. Help that to define who I am. Help me to live with the end in mind. Help me to know where, the, you know, I'm not where I want to be today, but you give me another breath, you give me another day, I can, I can move forward, you can, you can put me back on the right course. And God, so please, do that, right? So pray this for yourself. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus is always our perfect model of this, right? How often did God, uh, Jesus, pray to the Father, and and he was always thankful. Even on the night when he's about to be betrayed and he was about to be crucified and tortured, he said, God, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to complete the work that you've laid out for me. Thank you for these that you've you've brought through my ministry into you. And he prayed for you and I, and he said, God, thank you for them. (laughs) Thank you for all those who will believe in me because of of what's going to happen. And he lived with the end in mind. He said, hey, you know what? It's, it's not about me becoming a king. It's about me going to a cross. But it didn't end in the grave. It ended in the resurrection, right? Jesus knew that it was all about <laughs> the resurrection, which would unleash a force of grace on the world, the world like it had never seen before.